You're listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. Bridges Nashville is a church plant in the heart of Music City, meeting at the Listening Room Cafe in downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Here's this week's message. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Adonis. Give a hand for Pastor Adonis. What an amazing man of God that we are so blessed to have as our head pastor. I'm just going to get my stuff set up here. I am going to try to be really on time for you guys today because I know everyone's going to Super Bowl parties and we have things planned this afternoon. So not going to keep you here, but I do want us to be present um, when we are here today. I'm pretty excited about this. Uh, some of you may or may not know this is like my first time taking the stage here at Bridges Nashville. So thank you. Thank you. A little nervous, I'm going to be honest, but I also feel like I'm just really standing on the word that when two or three are gathered, the presence and the spirit of God are with us. So I believe that God is with us today as we're going to press into a story that is probably familiar to all of you, but I'm hoping we're going to gain something new from it today. So uh, let's get started. Are we okay with that? All right. So like Pastor Adonis said, um, we are in the Devoted series, and that is based on Acts 2, 42 through 47. We're going to put this scripture on the slide in just a minute here. So in Acts 2, 42, it starts out by saying, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So that word devoted, they devoted themselves. This is the early church we're talking about. That's who the they is. And they would gather in each other's homes and they would listen to the word and they would pray together and they would praise together. And they were just about doing this together. This is back to basics, y'all. So what we're gonna be doing over the coming weeks is kind of unpacking this a little bit more and learning a little bit more about what does it be devoted, to be devoted to God through every circumstance, through every situation. So today, we're talking about being devoted through the storm. And we'll talk about that a little bit more, a little bit more in a minute, but first, I wanna kinda of hit on something that, that I think is really you know, relevant today because it is Super Bowl Sunday, and I wanna think about like, what does devoted mean? Like when you think of somebody who's devoted, like what picture comes to your mind? Like, like what? Somebody just yell out something. A monk. A monk. <laughs> a monk. Okay, a monk. Okay, that is very devoted. That, and that is like an extreme opposite of the illustration I was going to make. But I think it's cool because they're actually both true. When I think of devoted, I think of like a fanatic. You know, somebody who is just like a diehard fan, will just like go to their grave saying only good things about the team that they follow. I've got a picture here of like some diehard fans, and I'm not rooting necessarily for any one team, okay? This is just a picture that I found that I thought, okay, these guys, they look devoted to that team, right? And it's like people are willing to paint their faces and wear stupid stuff and yell out things and wear hair wigs and all kinds of stuff for their football team. In fact, I in my family who is like that. He's actually a University of Texas Longhorns fan, which I went to University of Texas, so I don't hope there aren't any booze going on in here. Okay, I, I see you, Delaney, I see you. <laughs> but my cousin, I'm not gonna say his name in case this would embarrass him, is a die-hard Texas Longhorns fan. I'm telling you, this guy, every time I see him, he's got a jersey, everything in his house is decked out Longhorns 
stuff. And like, like he just will live and breathe longhorns. We got a couple other photos here. Now these are not my cousin, but like this totally could be him. Like this is the kind of thing he would do maybe, you know, like, and there's another one too, this guy wearing a longhorn helmet. Like that is like totally what he would do, right? In fact, the next slide shows a picture of a cake. His wedding cake at his wedding was a Texas Longhorns football field. I'm telling you, this guy is diehard and he will never, ever, ever, waver from that commitment to that team. You would never hear him say a bad word about his Texas Longhorns. I don't care how long the losing streak has been. I don't care if everybody else is bad-mouthing those Longhorns. He is still going to be like, they're my team. I'm sticking by them. I am committed to them. How many of us can say that about our walk with Jesus? When stuff is going great, when, we, when, when things are going great in your life, you know, you're like, yay, Team Jesus, yeah, praise God. But then what about when stuff is not going great? What about when the crap hits the fan, when things go wrong? Where is our praise, our devotion, our commitment, our love for the Lord? Maybe it's there. But we're human, right? So it's hard in those moments. So that's what we're going to be talking about today, is about being devoted to Jesus through the storm. So before we look at the story that I want to tell you guys, I want to just kind of define what we mean by storm. So when we're talking about storm, what I mean here is any kind of trial, challenge, tribulation, anything that goes on in your life that like knocks you on your butt, right? It could be a diagnosis of you or of a loved one. It could be unemployment, loss of a job. It could be heartbreak or heartache. It could be some broken friendship. It could be gossip or jealousy, rage, anything that just kind of turns your world upside down. Those are the challenges that we face in these storms. And in those storms, we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus no matter what, because he is the one who will get us out of that. In fact, not only do these storms happen sometimes, but you know they're gonna keep happening over and over. Let's look at what Jesus says about storms. In John 16, Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And the message version says it this way, in this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties. Listen to that word, continue. That means over and over and over again. You will continue to experience difficulties. But take heart, I have conquered the world. So Jesus says not only are we gonna have storms in our lives and challenges in our lives, but they're gonna happen over and over again. It's guaranteed. I mean, Jesus said it. So we gotta stop acting surprised when these things happen. It's like, okay, God, I need to be ready for the storms that are coming. I don't know what they are, but I need to know that they're coming. So how do I remain devoted to you when the storms that are inevitable come? And I know sometimes when I think about like these stories in the Bible, like there's so much to be learned from characters, from people in the Bible. And it's like easy for us to think about them as not being real, right? Because it was so long ago, oh, they're old or whatever. It was different back then. 
Okay, yeah, things were different. Culture was different back in biblical times, but they were still people, just like you and me. They still had feelings and emotions, and they had anger and joy and all of the things that we go through, they still went through. So I think it's completely relevant that we're gonna unpack a little bit a story that you guys are all probably pretty familiar with, one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament, which is the story of Joseph. So I know we're all probably pretty familiar with Joseph, but I'm hoping that today we can unpack that a little bit more and hear a little more about Joseph's story in a way that's meaningful to us. So if you're familiar with uh, the story of Joseph, it takes place in Genesis, several chapters kind of toward the end of Genesis. And Joseph was a guy who was favored by the Lord. In fact, he was favored by more than just the Lord. He was favored by his dad. And Joseph was one of the younger of 12 brothers, you know, the 12 tribes of Israel. So he had a lot of brothers. And they were mostly older than him, right? So they kind of like were the big brothers and they were the big, big, you know, guys in town or whatever. But so Joseph was the little guy, but his dad loved him. He was the favorite. In fact, his dad made him like this special coat that nobody else had, and that really made his brothers mad. I mean, I don't know what the deal with this coat was, why they were so mad about this, but they apparently didn't like it, and they were jealous of Joseph. And and that is a whole other story because jealousy is a bad thing, and we'll talk about that in a little bit more, but let's sort of set the stage with this story of Joseph is favored by his dad, his dad made him this coat, and then one day he has a dream. Has God ever given you a dream, like a vision about your life? Well, that's what happened to Joseph. So we pick up the story in Genesis 37, 5, where it says, Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Like they already hated him. They were jealous of him because of his dad's favoritism. But now they hated him even more about this dream. Here's why. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. You keep going here. Next slide, please. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. And his brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us or something? I added the or something. <laughs> Will you actually rule us? And then they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he said. Have you ever had a dream and then people were jealous of that dream and they wanted that too? You know, maybe it wasn't the wisest thing for Joseph to tell his brothers about this dream that he had because he probably either, he probably already knew. I mean, I don't think he was a dumb guy. He probably knew that they were jealous of him or maybe he just didn't care that they were jealous of him or maybe he really did kind of feel a little arrogant about like, hey, God gave me a dream. How about you? You got a dream? I got one. And this stirred the pot in a really bad way. And his brothers were already jealous of him, and this made it worse. In fact, jealousy is so toxic, y'all. Their jealousy made them want to kill him. Want to kill him. To kill their own brother. Can you imagine? I mean, I know there are a lot of brothers, but still. Like, that's pretty bad, right? So then they're wanting to kill him. They're plotting to do this. But then last minute, they kind of change their mind. And so we read in Genesis 37, 27, where his brothers say, come, let's sell him, Joseph, to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. 
So his brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern. They had kind of thrown him down in the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. So now he's gone from being the favored son of his father with this dream, right? God builds him up. I've got this dream for you. And now he's suddenly sold into slavery. Like, what? He might be asking God right now, like, what just happened? What about this dream? He just gave me this dream. How can I now be in slavery in Egypt, in a whole other country, away from my family, away from everyone I know? How many of us know sometimes that happens? God puts something in our heart, and just when we're getting, like, ramped up about it and excited, boom, the carpet, the rug swept right underneath us. And how many of us would be tempted at that point to be like, well, God, I guess I misheard you. I guess that wasn't the dream after all. This must be wrong. I must have misheard this. And like, I guess I'm just going to go back to the way I was before. Maybe that's not it at all. God might just be setting the stage for the next thing to come. Because we know that's what happened with Joseph. You know, he was 17 at this time. He was young, so he bragged a little. Okay, I made some, said some stupid things when I was 17 too, you know, and I'm sorry if any of you are 17 right now. I'm not trying to say that we all do that when we're 17, but Joseph certainly did. He needed some maturing, and it is not his fault that his brother sold him into slavery, but it certainly didn't help that he, like, rubbed salt in that wound of theirs by bragging about his dream. So here's Joseph. He's been sold into slavery, and he's probably thinking, okay, maybe I had something to do with this. And you know, when we think about our lives, there are different kinds of storms. And have you ever been part of a storm where you feel like, I did this, like this challenge is happening because, directly because of something I did? Like, I've been there. And some storms, we didn't actually like make it happen like a direct consequence of our actions, but sometimes we had a hand in it, kind of like Joseph. Joseph didn't sell himself into slavery, but, you know, he maybe contributed a little bit by sort of twisting the knife in his brother's sides about him being a favored person. And then some storms are the kind that we didn't do anything at all to make them happen. Like, we are innocent. And those are the hardest ones, y'all, because in those times we feel like, God, what is going on here? This seems so unfair and unjust. And as far as we know, Joseph, through this storm, he's now a slave in Potiphar's house in this other country. But as far as we can tell, he still stays devoted to the Lord. Eyes are fixed on the Lord because when we read about his situation in Potiphar's house in Genesis 39, 2 through 5, it says, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant like his right-hand guy. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. The Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. Joseph and the blessing of God was on everything Potiphar had, 
on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care because with Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. God honors our devotion when we honor him through the storm. In fact, the blessing that God put on Joseph for honoring him through this storm, now that he's a slave, was not just on Joseph, it was on Potiphar too and Potiphar's entire household. Hear me, y'all, when we are faithful and devoted to the Lord through the good and through the bad, God blesses not just you, but the people around you, your coworkers, your family, your neighbors, your friends. The blessing of the Lord extends to those around you. So by being faithful and devoted to him, you are helping not just yourself, but also others to see the light of Christ and to model for them what it looks like, what it looks like through the storm to be devoted. And I wanna make an important note here because I think this might be easy to miss. Recognize here that God was blessing Joseph, but he didn't remove him from that situation. Did you catch that? He didn't remove Joseph. Joseph was still a slave working in Potiphar's house, but God chose to bless him where he was at. I think so many times we're in these storms and we're in these challenges and we're just like waiting for God to pull us out. Like, God, I know you're there. I know you're listening. I'm gonna keep praying and I'm just waiting on you. You're gonna deliver me from this storm, right, God? I'm just gonna wait right here and just wait for you to move, Lord. God might be waiting on you, though. He might be waiting on you to praise him, to be devoted to him, committed to him, to shine your light and take action while you're in your storm because he wants to use you right where you are. And you might be looking around and seeing like, oh, the grass on the other side of the fence is way greener over there. God, why can't you pull me over there? It looks so good. And God might be saying, no, no, no. Yeah, maybe it's greener over there, but that's not where I'm calling you to. I'm calling you to right here, and maybe that's the mud, but maybe the mud is where you're needed because God wants to use you right there. Maybe there's somebody else down in the mud that needs a hand to help them, that needs to see the light of Christ, and you being there in the mud is the only Jesus they're gonna see. So don't limit God by just waiting for him to pull you out of that storm. Let him use you where you are. But also remember what Jesus said, storms will continue, troubles will continue. And don't think that just because you said yes to Jesus and you're following him even through the storm that there may not be more storms ahead. I'm just being real, y'all. This is life. It's the real world. Storms are going to happen. And Joseph, though he was walking with the Lord and enjoying the favor and the blessing of the Lord on his life and on Potiphar's life, he still had more storms ahead. So we read in Genesis 39, 6 through 7, now Joseph was well-built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife, you know, she's human, took notice of him and said, come to bed with me. I guess that's what they said back then. 
But Joseph, okay, Joseph is a man of God, and he's following the Lord. We know this. So he was like, no, I'm not going to do this. He refused to do it. He said, he refused. In Genesis 39, 8 says, he refused with me in charge, he told her. My master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. Go to the next one. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, day after day, y'all, day after day she spoke to him, but he still refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Whoa. He didn't even want to be with her. Message for somebody right now. When we have sin at our doorstep and Satan is dangling that little carrot right in front of us, how many people like try to get as close as they can to the carrot? You know, as close as they can to the fire without touching. That is not at all what we should be doing, friends. We should be fleeing from that. Don't even be around that thing. Whether it's that TV show, that magazine, that friend, that influence, whatever it is, that social media person that you're following, whatever it is, if it's tempting you into sin, don't even be around it. You don't want anything to do with it. Don't let that get between you and your relationship with the Lord. And that's what Joseph did. But I will tell you, the enemy is persistent. How many of you know that when the devil finds something that he thinks he can have on you and get to you, will hound you with it and day after day poke you and prod you and keep trying to get you to fall into this sin because he wants you to fall away from the Lord. So he will keep after you and he will use other people sometimes to get what he wants. And that is exactly what was happening with Potiphar's wife, which I don't know why she doesn't have a name, but well, Potiphar's wife, she kept after him day after day after day after day, but Joseph still refused. And how frustrating it must have been for him to have to try to run away from her and refuse her. And then even after all that, we read that the storms continue for Joseph. They continue despite his faithfulness. In Genesis 39, 11, it says, one day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. Potiphar's wife, she caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak and ran out of the house. So he fled from the potential sin, which is what we should be doing. But how unjust that the enemy still got in there, had Potiphar's wife go and lie and make up a story about him and say, no, 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 he attacked me. That's why I have his cloak in my hand. He was trying to attack me and I managed to get his cloak. I screamed and when I screamed, he ran away and I, and so catch him, I guess. And I still have his cloak and guess what? Potiphar bought it. He bought it. Despite the good things that Joseph had done and how good Joseph had been in his house, he still bought it and he listened to his wife. Sometimes the enemy will speak accusations against you. And sometimes people will believe those accusations. But take heart, for Jesus has overcome the world. And whatever God's plan is for you, those accusations and those trials, they're not going to stand in the way of that. If God really has this vision for you and this plan for you, he's going to find a way to carry it out. But with Joseph... 
Potiphar heard this, what his wife said. And in Genesis 39, 19, we read, when his master heard the story, his wife told him saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. This is rock bottom. This is rock bottom, you guys. He's gone from being a favored son to being a slave to now being in prison with the thieves and the murderers and all of the other people that he, he's stuck in there for who knows how long. This isn't like it is today where you get sentenced for a year or two or whatever the term is. It's like indefinite. We don't know. And he's thinking to himself probably, like, God, why? Like, how could this happen? I didn't do anything wrong. Day after day after day after day, she hounded me, and I still refused. I even fled. Has that ever happened to you? You feel like everything you're doing is right. You're following God. You're doing what he's asked you to do, and still, it looks like in that moment, the enemy is winning. You didn't do anything wrong. So do you find yourself being like, why, God? Why is this happening? Why me? Why now? Why here? I mean, I don't blame you. I've done that before in my life, like probably more times than I care to admit. But sometimes that temptation is so strong to just want to ask God, why people get hurt in this world? And we don't have time today to unpack all that. That is like for another day. But I will tell you this. I recently had a revelation. I was thinking about this, and it just so happened, I don't think anything's coincident, it was, it was probably the Holy Spirit, that I turned on this podcast by Melissa Helser. I don't know if any of you guys are familiar with Melissa Helser. Jonathan and Melissa Helser, yeah, you see Pat over there nodding. They are a powerhouse worship leaders. They have, you know, raise a hallelujah, no longer slaves, all those songs that you've heard of theirs. And Melissa, in her own right, is like a powerful woman of faith and, and does podcasts and ministries and stuff. And I was listening to this podcast of hers and she was talking about like all the different health problems and things that she has had in her life and how like just sometimes, you know, when she's already down, it's like the enemy kicks her. And, and it's so hard in those moments to not just feel sorry for yourself and not just be like, why God, why is this happening? And she said that one day she was praying and the Holy Spirit told her, Melissa, that's not the right question that you should be asking me. The right question is, how, God? How do you want to use me in this season? What, Lord, do you want to teach me right now that you've never been able to teach me before about your character, about your goodness, your kindness, your mercy that you've never shown me before? I've never seen that face and that side of you before because I've never been in this situation before. I've never needed it before because I was never here before. And now that I'm here in this moment, I need that. So what are you trying to show me? How are you going to grow me? What can I learn and how can I become more mature in my following of you in this moment? And hear me, friends. I don't think that God wants bad things to happen to us. I don't think he wanted Joseph to go into slavery or be put in prison. If you've heard my story, you heard about my broken feet and all of that, and a friend of mine used to say, the Holy Spirit didn't push you down the stairs, <laughs> right? It's not that God wanted this to happen, but he will use it 
to benefit you, to grow you, to shape you into who he wants you to become because he has a vision and a dream for you and maybe you're not there yet. So he's gonna take every opportunity to get you there and to grow you into that place where you need to be. And I believe, friends, that that is what was happening with Joseph. In that previous quote, he was talking about, I'm, I'm over everything in Potiphar's house. Everything is under my care. And it was kind of braggy. So I think he still had some growing to do. Now, like I said, I don't think that's why he ended up in prison, but I think God used that as an opportunity to grow him. And if you read to the end of the story, you will see that eventually Joseph's dream does come true. He dreamed that he would be ruling And he was. Probably not the way he thought he was going to be, right? He probably pictured right there in Canaan with his family and everything. And now God hauled him off to Egypt in a foreign land. Probably the story looked very different than what he imagined. How many of us can say that when you look back on your life and you see where God has led you to today and it's very different from where you thought you would be? I can't imagine more of a difference in Joseph. But just because it's different doesn't mean it's not fulfilling that vision that God gave you. And if we listen to Joseph's story and how it played out, he spent a long time on that journey of improvement. There were 13 years between when he was placed into slavery and when he was sitting at the right hand of Pharaoh. And he had to go through a lot of crap to get there. But God got him there. And even once he was in prison, he was still facing trials and challenges. I mean, this royal cupbearer and royal baker come to him, and he's like, God, help me interpret their dreams. And he interprets their dream. God puts favor on him. Joseph is favored in the prison. He's kind of running things in the prison. And he thinks, this is my chance, maybe. This is my chance to get out. The royal cupbearer and the royal baker, wow, they'll go tell Pharaoh about me. But no. He gets forgotten and abandoned once again and left for two more years in that prison. He's probably thinking at this point, God, did you just abandon me? Like, I don't understand. I've done everything you've asked me to do. I keep following you. And it seems like you're blessing other people, but I don't see it in my life. Why am I still in prison? But then, just like that, From one day to the next, he is set free and is at the right hand of Pharaoh. And the vision that God had for him all along came true. So hear me. If you're in that storm right now, it might be because God still wants to mature you. He's still growing you. He's still preparing you for that place that he wants to take you to because you're not ready for it yet. Or maybe he wants to use you right now, right here where you are because there's somebody else who's in the mud with you and they need the word of God today and they need that light today and he wants to use you where you are. But at the end of the day, what matters is our eternal glory and our eternal place with Jesus. So keep your eyes on Jesus no matter What is going on? Because I'm telling you, life is not gonna be like this. It's gonna be like this. And you're gonna go through those storms continuously. 
But the goal here, friends, is to keep your eyes on Jesus. Trust in him because he is good. Thanks for listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. To find out more about us and who we are, check out our website at bridgesnashville.com or find us on social media at Bridges Nashville.